Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. It is time to chat about sport and on the line uh, we have uh, the Limerick Leaders rugby correspondent Colm Kinsella. Colm, thanks for joining us. And, no, no problem, Joe. Uh, also uh, with me in the studio, Live 95's Luke Liddy and uh, we were chatting to him yesterday and he's back with us this morning, Live 95's soccer correspondent Mike Hearn. Mike. Morning, Joe. I was, I was driving in this morning, Mike, and was profoundly depressed about the whole situation about Limerick Senior Soccer. And um, I was thinking about things, you know, as you, you do in these situations when you're driving into work. Still focused on the road. <laughs> Need to point that out. Um, and this, this came to mind. And this moved me, Mike. This cheered me up only momentarily before depressing me again. Turner could make something of this heavy enough touch, but he gives it back to Sean Kelly. Kelly looks up, takes a shot. Yes! said there were 3,000 people on the ground. <laughs> there were closer to six. I think we'd all agree with that, Mike. Wonderful night. One of the highlights of Limerick FC over the last few years. We could hear the joy unconfined in your voice. The joy of the crowd in the background. All that going on. And it looks like today we won't have a football club. I thought when you were starting the story, Joe, you were going to say you stopped, you looked at your bank balance and you are going to invest in the club <laughs> yourself for a moment. But that won't save them, I can promise you. Yeah, um, yeah, it's very depressing, isn't it, to think after an unbroken stint since 1937, we may not have senior soccer. You probably saw yesterday, Councillor Frankie Daly tried to rally the support of the city. I believe he got very good responses. I'm going to talk to him in a couple of minutes myself, but... Is it too late? Why we, Why did we wait till day 98, day 99 of the examinership process? And I thought about when I left the studio yesterday, you had asked me kind of in a roundabout way, you know, did enough people do enough? And if it was Munster, would it be different? We didn't do enough when it mattered most over the 100 days. And there was expressions of interest by eight, according to Connor at the time when he delivered to court in, in the midterm process of the examinership. I knew at that time there was definitely only two and like we had somebody seriously interested in the club only six months ago. We broke the story here about the local consortium. That went to one side and I believe they still have an interest in the club. But if people come in today, they're only saving the Limerick FC name to clear the debt to get the licence for next season. We all know this needs a very, very fresh start. And maybe a year out or maybe a bit of time out isn't the worst thing in the world. But one thing is for sure, Joe... I've met a huge amount of people who are badly hurting over the decision to have no senior soccer next year. Whose fault that is? It's everybody's fault. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Colm Kinsley, you know, you're a sportsman to your core um, and uh, you probably, like anyone in Limerick, would be feeling this a little bit, uh, not your direct patch, but at the same time, when we hear the potential and it was realised that night at the markets field... And and you think, how have we ended up in a place where 
because of all sorts of reasons, including, truthfully, the apathy of a lot of people, including people listening to this show this morning, we're not going to have, in the third city in the Republic, a football club at senior level next year. It's amazing, really. Yeah, it's hard to get your head around it, Joe, even though, you know, the vibes weren't good for the for the last uh, last season, last 18 months. You know, it's been it's been funny over the last few days seeing people venting on social media and that. Um, you'd wonder if even a small percentage of them paid in to the market field to the home matches over the last couple of seasons. Uh, ironically, Limerick would be in a, a, a stronger position financially. But, um, yeah, it, it's very, very difficult. I mean, obviously, there's the short-term worry in terms of, of the club. Uh, looking likely at the moment, they won't have a team competing in the Electricity League, um, and you'd also have concerns about, and hopefully it won't impact on the um, underage teams, the academy, and and obviously the women's team as well. That um, something can be done to ensure that um, that there will be academy teams competing in the Electricity League next year, and and the women's team, um, and hopefully that you know if it comes to pass that there's no senior team in the first division next season, that it'll only be for one season. And that um, you know, interested parties and can come together and uh, ensure that um, in, in, ensure that, that 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 it's only for the one season. I mean, you just worry about you just worry about the negative publicity, the fallout. Um, you know, young players like like you know, Limerick has produced a, an amount of under good underage players over the last couple of years. A number of whom are have been playing with Limerick, but a number have also moved on to other League of Ireland clubs. And you just wonder. How, how difficult will it be to convince guys who have moved, even guys at the minute who, who might commit to uh, playing, uh, who, who are playing junior soccer locally, who have the ability and talent to play League of Ireland next season, that assuming Limerick don't have a team, if they move away to play with those clubs, how difficult will it be to get back, yeah. you know, to get them back well, to Limerick the following season? Right, well, let's just hear a little of what Tommy Barrett, the Limerick FC manager, has been saying. And whoever comes in, that they don't make the same mistakes as the past, that they put a sustainable model in place, you know, and that that's what needs to happen. You know, get your own ground, whether the council is involved in that or, you know, there, there's private investors, but you need to get your own ground, link up with the colleges, get your own training facilities and put lads through college and those type of things that we have to, have to look at. But there has to be a sustainable structure uh, going forward. Some practical solutions there from Tommy Barrett, um, Luke, and they make an awful lot of sense. And you know he's shown a lot of commitment to Limerick FC over the years, including very recently indeed. But I suppose at least one myth has been nailed here that people uh, sitting around over Christmas um, ha- having a libation or two won't be able to say, well, no, if they were back in the markets field, I'd have definitely gone to those matches. Exactly. Uh, yeah, we did. We had the chance, but I suppose... Looking at everything that's happened and, and looking at, at Limerick over the, the past couple of seasons, there's nearly a small bit of relief as well in the back of my mind anyway because it was week in, week out. There was nothing really positive coming through and I know the players gave their all. Tommy Barrett gave his all but it just wasn't working at, 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 at I suppose, board level and, and in the background. So in one sense, and Tommy Barrett has been, I suppose, a bit positive about it, there is a bit of relief that maybe we can, we can look at the structure now <clears throat> Excuse me, we can look at the, the model, the way the clubs run. I mean, looking at maybe linking up with colleges like a UCD model or something like that, is it really commercially viable? You don't know. I mean, in Limerick, you need a team to be, I suppose, challenging at the top to, to, to get the, the, the fans down. 
I don't want to come across like Don O'Sullivan here now or anything, um, Mike Hearn, um, but, you know, Don would point maybe to the Green Bay Packers in the States owned by the community, a top-level American football franchise. Barcelona, I believe, is essentially run on a co-op model. It's owned by its pretty successful football club. I'm sure you've heard of it, Barcelona FC. Mm. Um, you know, run, run by the, the, the fans, the supporters. Any co-op model that might work? Look, even you look at the co-op models that exist in Irish football, are they really sustainable? Probably not, because it goes back to one thing. They're all based on results and success. When you're successful, you get the crowds. When you get the crowds, you get the revenue. When you get the revenue, you get the best players. When you get the best players, you win trophies. When you win trophies, you get to Europe. When you get to Europe, you get more money. It's a knock-on effect. And until we have all the stakeholders putting their minds together in this great city and county and the sporting capital of Ireland, if they all come together and put their resources into the proper energy towards a sustainable senior soccer model, it will be a success. Look at Dundalk. It's a town. I'm not being disrespectful. It's a town. They have won the League of Ireland. They are making millions in Champions League football. They are a town. They are sustainable. They are making their money. Yes, they now have investment through an American source which is how they earned it by being successful. We played Real Madrid. We've gone to the Bernabeu. Most clubs in, has, yeah. Yeah, in League of Ireland can never say that. How can we let a club with that kind of tradition just die or demise? It, it's just not right. And it's not right by the people of the city and the county because it shouldn't be let happen under any circumstance because sport is an essential part of life. It is a great relief when you go and watch a game and you can have a shout and a roar and get behind your team, it's a great avenue for kids, you know, for mental health, for exercise. And it's so, so important. Soccer can't die in the city. And unfortunately, if you don't have the top of the pyramid, which is a, a representative side playing at the highest level, it's a very, very sad occasion. Right, we're going to take a break and we'll just talk about snobbery in connection with this after the break. Mike and Luke are still with me in the studio and Colin Kinsella of the Limerick Leader is on the line. Colin, we're going to move on and chat about rugby in a sec. But do you think that there's anything to the argument that there was a touch of snobbery about this, particularly the lack of corporate support for soccer uh, over, it appears, much more corporate support for other sports, including rugby? I don't really, I don't really, I don't really know, Joe. I mean, I think, I think success breeds success. I think people are very quick to come on board when a team is successful. Um, you know, the move back to the market field. The market field is a, you know, it generates a great atmosphere, really nice facility. You know, it's, it's ideal in terms of size for, um, for, for, for League of Ireland and the crowds that Limerick would get. Um, you know, and and I'll, ironically, you know. You mentioned the Finn Harps playoff and Mike's commentary on the goal, Sean Kelly's goal. But you know, I remember um, uh, that season, Limerick had to fight really hard to get into the relegation playoff position so they wouldn't finish bottom and be automatically relegated. And Limerick went an excellent run. Um, and the prize was to, was to get into a playoff for relegation. Yet the crowds were fantastic. There was a brilliant atmosphere. you know, and, and, and it became an event and it became a thing to do on a Friday night. And, and people came along and they got behind the team and they supported them and obviously they got to the playoff and ultimately they, they came up short. But I think no more than no more than GA or, or rugby or any other sport, I think, you know, if you're successful, people like to be involved, they like to come on board 
Um, and that's not just in terms of people coming through the turnstile, but also in terms of, you know, financial support from businesses. You know, if it, you know, it seems like light years away, but if Limerick, if Limerick were ever to get into, you know, the Europa League uh, qualifying rounds, you can imagine the buzz around the city um, in terms of, 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 of fans looking for tickets and in terms of, of um, you know, corporate sponsorship coming yeah. on board. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, Business and they will come in terms of, yeah. of success. Um, yeah, you know. Okay, okay. All right, let's move on and talk about rugby. Um, I kind of have thought out after last Saturday's game against Saracens at Thomond Park and the scoreless second half, um, Luke. And I know you and Colin will roll your eyes here now when I go into this riff, but uh, they're back playing Saracens tomorrow, European champions. Over there, though, Saracens have a lot of their top players uh, back that they didn't play last weekend. I got. I mean, I don't mind Leinster taking risks with this fancy rugby because I don't care if they lose. But is this a good idea for Munster tomorrow? They're clearly going to stick with this plan. They're going to throw the ball about. I mean, is there every likelihood that they'll be hosed by Saracens? There's always a chance going away to Saracens. Any team in, in Europe can be hosed by Saracens, but you could get hose trying to play front-up rugby as well or you can get hose trying to play a new brand of rugby or a more attacking brand of rugby that I suppose is going to stand to you going forward so I think they are going to try and stick to their game plan maybe mix in some of that I suppose monster magic that they're they're known for as well but you have to you've 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 kind of brought it in now you have to stick to it you have to try and play them we don't know yet. Will they have all their stars back? We'll we'll wait and see. the The team is named this afternoon, but they probably will. They're not going to want to to give up in a in a home game against Munster. You saw that. I suppose a weakened team already put it up to Munster, as you said, in in horrible conditions. But there's there's the likelihood all always that you you lose to Saracens, no matter what type of rugby you play. So you might as well try and, and stick to what you've been working on in training. All right, let's hear from Johan van Graan, the Munster head coach. It's an away game. You know, you, you, you look at, at what you face and they do certain things uh, that are very good, especially at home, and you've got to look to negate them. And you know, we do a lot of things currently pretty well and you, you've got to try and look into the future what they might do. So I think it's, it's, it's like a game of chess and, you know, you, you've just got to make sure that you prepare as well as you, you can. And the most important thing, I guess, about the game of rugby every week is you've got to be able to adapt because, you know, you, you just can't predict what, what's going to happen happen because every game is so different. Right, you're on Van there. Um, well, Colm, I mean, will they get hosed tomorrow or will they try and play a fancier brand of rugby and actually win by 30 points and prove us all wrong? I, I, I don't think they'll win by 30 points, Joe. Um, I, think they'll, I think they'll continue to play the more expansive game. I think, you know, the last couple of seasons have proven when Munster has played Saracens that, a, a, you know, a one-dimensional, predictable game it's meat and drink to Saracens' defence um, and the physicality they bring. Um, last week in the first half, before the weather came in, and it was horrific for the last 50 minutes, but in the opening half an hour, you know, Munster played some very, very good rugby, moving the ball wide, and came very, very close. You might remember a knock-on in midfield from um, from Chris Farrell that, that, that ultimately saw a try chalked off. Munster tried to play last week. Um, conditions were difficult. Obviously, tomorrow you've got a 4G artificial pitch, so it's going to make for a quick game got to assume Saracens will bring back the likes of Owen Farrell, Elliot Daly, George Cruz, the two, Mako and Billy Vinopola, Jamie George, you know, players who played in the World Cup final. Um, they're going to be locked and loaded. I, I, I think Munster this, uh, tomorrow have to have to die trying if, if, if they ultimately lose, you know. They have to give it a go. 
Um, that, but do you think there's an acceptance new... among Munster fans that <clears throat> this is the way you have to go? But the likelihood of uh, Munster getting out of the group, you know, it, it's, it, it looks, I know it has in the past too, but it looks pretty bleak this year. Yeah, I, I, Joe, I, you know, after, it's not just hindsight. I, home matches are non-negotiable. And, and, and Munster's failure to beat wrestling at home. And, and in fairness, they battle bravely to even get a draw out of the game. But I think ultimately, you know, home, home fixtures are non-negotiable. Um, you know, we've seen over the years, you've got to win the home matches. And, and I think, you know, if it's a thing, Munster don't qualify from the group, I think they look back on that home, mat, home fixture against wrestling. Uh, and and that'll be the one that's yeah. been pointed. Not, but, but I know Luke, Luke has made the point when I've made this point that they need to do both. They need to keep, keep getting out of groups and progressing uh, while at the same time expanding this game. But, but like, surely Munster fans need to understand that there's an evolution here and the evolution has inherent risks and the risks include not getting out of the group this year. Yeah, absolutely. And Joe, so you must remember, like the, the, the Ireland, the Munster players who play for Ireland in the World Cup are only back start of November. Um, they've, you know, so Stephen Larkham, who people have raved about of, of the impact he's had in terms of, you know, the the confidence he's brought to players, the fact they're trying new things. We've seen a lot more offloading out of the tackle. That takes time to bed in. Um, he's had a very short space of time to work with what are a lot of the frontline Munster players who were away in World Cup duty. Um, and then, you know, you have a scenario where, where the group draw is difficult. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Saracens, you know, for all their off-field troubles and their, their, their points deduction, the Premiership and their big fine, um, and they have a very strong squad. I mean, Saracens in the league in the Gallagher Premiership went to Gloucester a few weeks ago with their B team in inverted commas and, and won there at King's home. Um, and, and Gloucester didn't nearly have as many players involved in, in the World Cup as they had. Um, yeah. You know, they have a very, very strong squad. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know. the European champions for, for a reason. So what's your prediction for tomorrow, Luke? I think that Munster will be doing well to get the, the losing bonus point. I think Saracens will be too strong. I think they will bring back all their, their big guns. It's nothing to say about... Why are we sending Dan Mooney <coughs> and Tono Sullivan over to commentating this then? <laughs> uh, there's always a chance. Look, there's always a chance, isn't there, in the Champions Cup that, that you can get a magical moment or a magical win. It's just they're a very strong side away from our at home, Joe. And look, they're European champions, as you said, for a reason. Look, hopefully a, a losing bonus point wouldn't be too bad. You have the games against Racing and Ospreys to come after that. Still hope of, of qualifying out of that pool. I know it might be tough, but it was always going to be tough coming into it. You see okay. the quality of teams in it. All right, Colin Kinsley of the Limerick Leader, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much to Luke. Thanks to Mike for all um, his work on Limerick FC. You'll hear more on Live 95 Sport tomorrow, of course, the Saturday Sports Show just after 10 and also full live commentary, as I mentioned, uh, from um, Saracens Ground uh, by Dan Mooney and Don O'Sullivan of Munster versus Saracens, match two. Call Limerick today now on 461995.